This is the island of New Penzance, 16 miles long, forest with old growth pine and maple, crisscrossed by shallow tidal creeks, Chickshaw territory. There are no paved roads, but instead many miles of intersecting dirt paths and trails, and a ferry that runs twice daily from Stone Cove. The year is 1965. We are on the far edge of Black Beacon Sound, famous for the ferocious and well-documented storm which will strike from the east on the 5th of September in three days' time. Welcome to Flyover Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. I'm Eric Pham. And I'm your producer, Walter Lyle. This is a podcast about places oft forgotten by Hollywood. Today we are discussing Wes Anderson's gorgeous and heartfelt coming-of-age tale, Moonrise Kingdom. So let's, um, before we start, I want to give everyone a couple minutes to, to share what they've been watching recently. Would, were y'all able to catch up on anything good over the weekend? Olivia, let's start with you. Yeah, so so the Oscar noms came out last week, so I figured I would maybe try to, to hit some of those movies, and Spencer came out on Netflix, and so uh, I decided I would watch Spencer with K- Kristen Stewart, and that was that was good. It was not what I was expecting, but Christian Stewart gave a really good performance. And then I also watched Flea, which is another Oscar-nominated film, and it's it's really interesting because it's in docu- it's a documentary, but it's animated, and it's about this man who fled, um, I want to say Afghanistan, um, and he. It was just his story, and it's the first time he's ever like shared his story, and it it was so devastating. Uh, it was really good. I I really enjoyed it. Um, but have the tissues ready if you guys decide to to watch that. So that's what I've been watching recently. Nice, nice. And uh, Spencer is like kind of meant to. It kind of communicates as a horror film, right? Isn't that like kind of the the, that's what I've heard from a bunch of different people. Would you say that, or it, more of a thriller? I, I I would have never described it as as that. I think it's just you, you. It really highlights and emphasizes just the the mental and emotional state that Princess Diana was was in during that point in her life. And yeah. man, it's it's just it's rough. Like the whole time I was thinking, man, she needs, she needs a therapist, but probably more importantly, she needs a friend and needs someone in her corner. Um, talk about being very, very isolated, um, in, in that situation. And so I can see where people would kind of describe it as more of a, I, I would say if it's anything, it's more of a, a thriller, I guess, but it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just, Yeah. It was interesting thinking about it. It's always interesting to think about things from a psychological standpoint, but that's what I was doing the whole time with her, especially because I was just like, man, this is awful. I can't imagine just that situation where she didn't do anything. At that point, she didn't do anything, and her stupid husband was the one who was having affairs and um, is just the worst, as we keep seeing in the news (laughs) now. And... um, it was all about her and how she was responding. And it was just, it really highlights, 
how the media has treated women uh it, it makes me think of like how the media has treated you know Britney Spears and has treated Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and and all these other different people like I realize they're not Princess Diana I realize that but it's still it it just highlights how poorly women are treated in the media when Mm -hmm. men can kind of do whatever the hell they want and it's like oh it's okay yeah so anyway those are my thoughts on on Spencer yay or nay recommendation to our listeners I if you're a Kristen Stewart fan and you really want to see her her act yes Uh, if you're not really into exposition or kind of a slow burn it's not not for you gotcha gotcha uh eric you were shaking your head have you seen spencer yet i have not um i probably won't even though i do enjoy Kristen Stewart <laughs> as an yeah. actress um no I, I, that sounds like a, a good watch for the people that are interested in it yep what have you been watching what have i been watching uh, i've been watching a lot of tv shows uh peacemaker has been taking up most of my time in that realm um it's about to have its season finale next thursday uh i watched some netflix stuff the tinder swindler was a very fun watch um that was like kind of the netflix movie of the week a couple weeks ago um is that a then, documentary or is it yes it's okay, like a gotcha. tiger king don't f with cats esque documentary um about a, this guy who just swindled thousands and thousands of dollars off of girls he met on t- tinder it's it's a, un, a truly unbelievable story um, what a king <laughs> <laughs> there are people idolizing this guy there are a lot of people idolizing this guy i, I, I figured there were i want to make it clear <laughs> completely yeah. joking yeah he's uh he's still running around though apparently um but i watched that and uh i've been watching shutter making use of my shutter subscription uh watching a lot of their <sighs> original horror movies I need nice. to watch it's, some Shutter stuff. I've heard they got some awesome yeah. stuff on there. If you like Before, like B rate campy horror stuff, I do. That's that's like the the go to streaming service, okay. and it's like um, their social media. They're always making posts. They're very active with the community. Mm-hmm. So nice, hmm. a great streaming Before service. We, Before you give us a couple Shutter recommendations, do you want to like clear the air? Is like tinder swindler actually based on your true <laughs> escapades <laughs> i can neither uh what's the saying deny nor confirm neither conform or deny, accusation yeah. yeah you plead the fifth yeah I, plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I would like to have my words stricken from the record <laughs> <laughs> yes to yes. quote ned leads um nice okay uh one or two shutter, shutter recommendations. recommendations okay yeah. Um, The Chaser, a South Korean thriller um, mm. about one of the most notorious serial killers. So it's actually kind of a true crime movie uh, mm. in the same vein as Zodiac. Okay, That one is on there. And let's throw out uh, Deep Red, Dar- Dario Argento's probably most well-known movie is also streaming All right. on Okay. There. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Okay. I have been watching, I watched Coda. Um, oh, nice! It is on Apple good. TV Plus, and it was good. It's like the most authentic, like uh, as the Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adult, and it is the most authentic depiction of a um, of a mostly deaf family, uh, minus the main character Ruby, who is played by Hold Please, 
uh, Amelia Jones and she did a really good job. Um, it's cool. There's a, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite people in, dang it. What is he, he's the kid in Sing Street. He's in this movie and I didn't recognize oh, him because the, the, he the main British up. actor. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. He had grown up and he has a different accent in this movie. Uh, but he's Irish. Um, and he's amazing in Sing Street and Jessica recognized him. She said, that's the kid from Sing Street. And, um, Coda was really good. I would recommend everyone check it out. Um, I also f- watched Nobody, the uh, Bob Odenkirk, oh. John Wick-esque um, action movie, which I really liked. It was like borderline embarrassing dad action, but a lot, oh. a lot of fun. And Bob Odenkirk can do no wrong. Um, You're really channeling that dad action, aren't you? <laughs> yep. Me? Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah, you're Me? already. I mean, you're the closest one to being yeah. a dad. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I also uh, have a fail safe um, in our basement to lock my kids and children if anyone comes to our home. So he like it's he. There's so many great little like don't call nine one one. Like a lot of that stuff you would see in trailers, um, but with Bob Odenkirk saying it, it's like even more cool because he's like he's a he's pretty vulnerable like as a guy mm-hmm. um but when he gets tough he gets really tough and then he just like beats the crap out of these guys on a bus and that kind of sets the whole story in motion it's so fun it's so fun nice. awesome. love it awesome. walter what about you um yeah so i think we finished it not this last week but the weekend before but we um we caught up with uh ozark on netflix nice, nice. Yes. um which I know it's not a movie, but for those of you who haven't watched it, um, season four, part one is one that just dropped. And I think part two drops later this year. And I think it's the end of the show. Like they're ending. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yep. Um, and dude, <sighs> it's just one of those shows where like, as I'm watching it, like I just have like this feeling of like giddiness where I'm like, I'm all into this story and mm-hmm. this like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't even realize until I'm like halfway through the season. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, and just as a uh, as a video producer, like the way the cinematography and lighting, um, I'm in love with it. No, like they've done such a good job of like set building and making you feel like you are actually there with these characters doing these things, and um, uh, the way the different characters plots interweave with with each other. Like it'll show one one scene and then a completely seemingly unrelated scene and like three episodes later those will finally like come together and it's just mm-hmm. i don't know J- uh jason bateman right is that that's the mm-hmm. yeah yeah he uh because i know i i knew him mainly as a comedic actor before mm-hmm. um before ozark mainly from arrested development and then um seeing him as a dramatic actor like it's flawless mm-hmm. super super good um so yeah season four part one uh, we finished watching that pretty big cliffhanger so i'm excited to see where that goes and then we also went to go see death on the nile this past weekend nice. um which how much how much champagne did you guys have <laughs> enough to fill the nile <laughs> what I didn't, I didn't know that 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 like line was so memed on until like right before i saw the movie i was like on i saw this video on facebook of like the the, the premiere of the movie is a theater full of people watching it 
and you could like somebody's filming that particular scene of Gal Gadot, like she's holding the champagne glass, and you hear people going like, "Oh, oh!" And then when she goes, if she goes to fill the dial and tosses it. Everybody lost their minds, like like it's the same reaction when you everybody saw Tobey Maguire on screen for the like in No Way Home, like so funny. Um, but Gal Gal Gadot was honestly probably the weakest actor in that movie. Um, I mean, she was next to um, Army Hammer with even all his personal issues was still um, a pretty dynamic presence on screen uh, as was um, oh shoot what's her name um, Black Panther Letitia, Letitia, Letitia Wright, Wright. Letitia Wright. Wright. Um, she was fantastic and there were several other actors that um, I hadn't I don't really know that well before this movie um, that just had Russell such Brand. Great performances Russell Brand was <laughs> in it um, uh, he was very very good dramatic role um, and then there's one other oh Kenneth Branagh um, as the mm-hmm. as the main oh. detective <laughs> Um, his French accent was a little too like Steve Martin Peak Panther for me. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it sounded a little bit like he was making fun of French people. But still a very charming performance by Kenneth Branagh. Like, like didn't he I, direct it? Yeah, and yep. produced it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's basically like the Kenneth Branagh show. Um, but he did a very good job. It wasn't like a contender for movie of the year or anything. Um, but it was a really fun murder mystery um, with a cool setting, um, great cinematography and lighting, which uh, I'm a sucker for. So, um, so yeah, that's it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Let's uh, jump into. We'll we'll come back with our housekeeping um, after we discuss. Actually, wait, wait, no, I missed that we were going to talk about a couple of things. Um, what's happening in Hollywood? Couple things. Uh, these are more kind of big announcements the second one is big for me and i'll explain why drive my car uh anticipated by all of us is coming to hbo max on march 2nd Mm -hmm. and we were discussing before we recorded this podcast how busy the month of march is for us schedule wise uh because i think we were recording three episodes and one uh flyover after dark commentary um so we will not do a full episode dedicated to drive my car but we will talk about it a lot on our Oscars episode, maybe we can move it to the back half of that episode for our anyone Oscars, who's interested. Our Oscars episode is just going to be us talking about drive my car. Yes, honestly, <laughs> honestly. So we'll uh, we'll go with that. The other thing is that have y'all heard of this movie Deep Water? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I get okay. a lot of ads so for it. This movie has been like pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Um, and it's finally releasing on uh, March 18th on Hulu. Um, it's an erotic thriller starring Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. Uh, Are you excited their... about it? Because it's erotic. Like, is that is that what you're getting at here? <laughs> Look, I'm Isaac, just, are you a perv? <laughs> I'm excited to see them kiss. I like kissing. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that, dude. Um, just a little any kiss. Any movie, any movie, just, just a little just kiss. Just a little kiss. Are you see, saying this because like? When we were watching Heat, and I was, I had this, we had this long conversation when we were watching Heat, where I went on and on about how much like I hated like kissing in movies. <laughs> Is that what you're? Are, are you referring to that, or did you completely forget about that conversation? No, I remember. I remember that. There, honestly, the opening scene where he's, uh, where Al Pacino's like making out with Justine in bed at the beginning of the movie is really awkward. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, it's the noises for me. I can't. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Don't, I don't need. I don't need the ASMR kissing. I don't need a hot <laughs> mic on their mouths. It's gross. Yep. Um, anyway, sorry. Adrian, keep going. Adrian Line, who directed Lolita and Fatal Attraction. Um, 
like oh. the basically the the erotic thriller master um, is directing this movie, and no one knows why it ha- did not get a theatrical release because it was supposed to re- release like I think in November um, or sometime last year. But I have been like carefully waiting for it to come out because it is so shrouded in mystery. No one knows like what it's about other than that the two of them are in it and it's Adrian line and it's an erotic thriller. So I'm excited for it. It, it reminds me uh, of one of my favorite stories from last year when uh, Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas broke up and like the day after there is on the curbside in the trash can at Ben Affleck's house, there's like a huge cardboard cutout of Anna de Armas and the trash guy (laughs) took it and ended up selling it on eBay. (laughs) Nice. You did and, that? And that t- no, I did you not. The Tinder I swindler? I did not do that. <laughs> yeah. I would have kept it for myself. Um, I was about to say. I, I mean, like, it. my wife knows that Anna de Armas is on uh, one of my celebrity crushes. So yeah, yeah. I definitely would have kept I'd be it. Keeping that. I'm not going to say I didn't b- bid on it on eBay, but <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it was, was on eBay. Say, yeah. You that's came across it and were like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get this. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Ben Affleck was like, hey? I I don't want this to be released theatrically because I'm now with the love of my life, Jennifer uh, Lopez, because I want it to work and I don't I don't want people to see this. Maybe sure because Maybe. I'm with they, my ex. I want nothing but the best for either of them, but more importantly, I want to see them kiss in water. <laughs> so. Let's not get it twisted, y'all. The real reason <laughs> I, I want to see this movie. <laughs> what are you, a twelve-year-old boy? <laughs> I like kiss. I like kissing, and I like watching kissing in movies. This is one hundred percent because you were homeschooled. This is one hundred percent because you're homeschooled. It's because I'm. It's because I'm a normal, a normal, you know, person, well-adjusted adult. Yeah. A, if I if I was Jason Bateman in Ozark, I'd be like, I'm I'm just I'm, you know, just a normal guy. <laughs> that was really good, actually. That was pretty spot on. I love Jason Bateman. So oh, he's good. awesome. Um, while anyway. we're here, let's just hit our housekeeping. Our next episode is going to be the Batman. We are going to cover it um, on Sunday, March 6th. Um, I believe that the 6th is a Sunday. I'm almost certain. Um, our next Flower After Dark will be uh, Heat is going to come out next week. So um, be on the lookout for that. And with that, you've made it through what have you, 13 minutes of us. Uh, 20 minutes of us chatting about deep water <laughs> and uh and how much i like watching uh kissing in movies Stop saying it. <laughs> yeah isaac um do i need to refer you to a therapist i'm sure i could figure out I think, someone i think you could talk to about that focusing on me and my problems and eric stole thousands of dollars from women on <laughs> tinder and, and we're just glossing over and that, tried to get so. a cardboard cut out of anna Darmus, so <laughs> You could yeah, have we are focused on the wrong one. You just chose to fund your uh, Criterion collection. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I got to watch where my money is going. <laughs> he has Let- the cutout. It's just in the corner where we can't see it. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's right out of frame. He's trying to hide. Like, he actually is the Tinder swindler. <laughs> Let's talk Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Um, I'd, I don't know how to kick this off other than this movie is way better. Like than even the first time I saw it in theaters um, upon rewatch last night. Um, This is Wes Anderson's seventh film. Um, It was released in 2012, and the film that preceded it was Fantastic Mr. Fox. 
And as such, I saw a lot of similarities with it and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, it has a great cast. Um, the the child actors that we'll we'll talk about in a second, who really make this movie what it is. Um, the the casting process for those two roles, and and the ensemble of Sam's uh, Boy Scout troop took eight months. They spent a long time and in, in, in interviewed and cast a lot. Um, to casting calls for a lot of child actors. It was filmed in Rhode Island, and it's the first time uh, Francis McDormand, Bruce Willis, Ed Norton, and Tilda Swinton uh, worked with Wes Anderson, and it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. I don't believe it won. Um, so let's just kick it off there. Um, what was your first experience with this movie? And uh, I'm going to start with Eric on this one. Okay, so this one... I saw back in high school on Blu-ray. I remember going to the, the local Haste things and I was just browsing around movies and I saw this one because I picked it up because it had a cool movie title and I had looked at the cast. I was like, oh, I know a lot of these actors, specifically Edward Norton and Bruce Willis. So um, I went out on a whim and bought it and it was the first Wes Anderson movie that I bought or watched as well. And it was definitely one of my favorite ones. I hadn't watched it in a very long time until last, until Monday. Um, and I still enjoy it a lot. I watched it on the, on Criterion with the audio, audio commentary afterwards as well. It was like a, they didn't really even commentate on the movie. It was more like a long form interview of, uh, I forget the child actor's name, the, who plays Lionel, one of, Susie's brothers, mm. um, Wes Anderson, and uh, let's see, Peter Becker, the director of the Criterion. They did what they did was they ended up uh, calling a bunch of the cast members and basically asked them a bunch of questions about the movie, and they played it over. Uh, they used it as like commentary track over the movie, and it was pretty oh, cool, cool listening to that. Nice. It was Through, funny because uh, yeah, Go it was ahead. funny because they had a uh, they had called the first person they called was Edward Norton. And uh, it went to voicemail and it started, uh, the voicemail started reading off Edward Norton's uh, home phone number. And they're like, oh, we better edit that out. <laughs> that's funny. Um, uh, Jake but, Ryan yeah. played Lionel, by the way. The, Jake Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Jake, yep. Jake Ryan was also in eighth grade as the kid. That's that, where I recognized him. Yeah. I was like, who, I've seen this yeah. kid in something. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't figure out how I knew him. And then I saw his name at the, like on the credits and I was like, oh, Jake Ryan. Yep. And so, yeah. I can't believe, can y'all believe that that is Lucas Hedges too? Oh my gosh, I was going to talk about Lu he Lucas Hedges. He looks so little. He looks so a, little. Yeah. Well, he was, so that came out in 2012, and he's the same age as my brother, so he was, how old was I in 2012? So he's 25 right now, and wow. you're... So he was He was 15. He's two year, yeah, he's two years younger than us, but it's one of those, like, like I remember seeing it in... Um, like we were juniors I saw it in theaters when it came out and I was like man everyone in this movie is like really little and I like wasn't that much older than them but like I had I was 17 as opposed mm -hmm. to like you know 15 and how much how much your body can change between those two years <laughs> right uh, because yeah. he like Lucas Hedge is like baby face uh, same with Jared Gilman who plays right. Sam I was like man these kids are like really little <laughs> yeah yeah no, and Lucas Hedges, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is in Lady Bird, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Boy Erased, Mid-90s, Honey Boy, Waves. He's in 
he's in the Grand Budapest Manchester by the Sea Hotel, Manchester by the Sea. He's he's in a lot of things. He's been I think he was nominated for his performance in Manchester by the Sea as well for mm-hmm. supporting actor. Oh. So he's he's very good if mm-hmm. you haven't seen him in anything yet. So yep. Um, Eric, yeah, throughout, you need to just pepper us with all the uh, different things you learned from that. that I definitely will. Um, Yeah, they interviewed most of the the cast and the writer, Roman Coppola, son of Francis Ford Coppola. Um, And I will end my kind of thought on the movie. This is my second favorite camping movie next to Wild Hogs. Nice. <laughs> Wild Hogs. <laughs> Not the camping movie I was expecting. <laughs> but they're both very similar. They are. <laughs> just like, you know, talking about your feelings, you know, yes. like riding it's motorcycles. Just, There's a just, motorcycle in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's a bunch of guys being dudes, you know? <laughs> just What's dudes. better than this? <laughs> a bunch of dudes being guys. Um, I. Like I said, I saw this movie. Um, I saw this movie with, I believe I saw this movie with Jared Wells and Olivia Wells, his sister. And I don't think, I think I may have seen this with Calvin Rosenbaum. I need to see if that's true. Um, this movie is awesome. I love it. Um, this movie was subject to, I haven't seen it, I hadn't seen it since theaters before rewatching it last night. Wait, 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 wait. Do I not get to tell my experience watching this movie? I I was gonna get you. Oh, okay. I was gonna get you. Me. Okay. All right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Saving, I'm jumping ahead. I'm, I'm thinking about me last. all the time. That's what you need to understand. Y- yeah. No. I, <laughs> see, I know that, and I'm yeah, trying yeah, to like yeah. I'm trying to help you work on that. Okay. So good. I, I appreciate first. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. All I was gonna say was um, the this this movie I, I this movie was subject to me going back and like ranking and logging things in Letterbox that I. No, knew I had seen, but I hadn't put in Letterbox because I did. I watched like or I ranked everything that I had seen over the course of my lifetime, like in the span of a couple months when I first started my Letterbox account, and I came back and I was like, I gave this movie a three out of five, and I bumped it up. I honestly think that this is a perfect movie um, for me personally. Yeah. Um, I just everything from the setup that kind of the introduction that we started this episode with. Um, how this movie progresses, how it's how it's tender, how it's sad, how it's dealing with this sort of darkness. Like we're we're gonna talk about the poor dog that gets killed in this movie. Um, there's this sort of darkness that kind of like exists in all of Wes Anderson's movies, and I really want to hear you guys' thoughts on it. But how it really translates to like things work out for the characters in his movies, which is what I really appreciate as well. Um things get surprisingly harrowing, but, um, it works out for the characters. So that's like, I, I just was exuberant in, um, this movie and Scott Pilgrim were, were two movies for me in high school where I realized this, the, like movies can do this. Movies can mm-hmm. be just truly stunning and truly visionary and heartfelt and like sublime, honestly. Yeah. Like this is yeah. a sublime movie to me. So, Walter. Yeah. Okay. I'm building up, but it's not that exciting, actually. Um, <laughs> I, uh, this was another movie. Okay. In the last episode, if you listen to our five top five rom-coms, I had to jump in and express my distaste for um, When Harry Met Sally. 
and it was purely based on a personal experience uh, with a past relationship that I was in. Um, now, different relationship, but uh, a girl I was dating very briefly, she made me watch this movie with her. Um, I think we just like watched it on her laptop or something, um, which is a crime because I feel like this movie deserves to be watched on a, at least like a normal size TV. At least um, on a on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> at least Dave, on an iPhone. David mini. Lynch is like cocking his shotgun. Like, <laughs> can you imagine watching a <laughs> cinema on your fucking phone? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, laptop screen. So at least, yeah, at least not a phone. Um, and uh, I had not seen a Wes Anderson movie in a long time. Um, at that point, and. Uh, even though that relationship ended uh, not long after that, it was not because of this movie because I actually really loved this movie. <laughs> like, it was one of the few good things I got out of that whole thing. So, um, yes, a very cute movie. I think cute is and charming are the two mm-hmm. words that come to mind when I think of this because it's so, yeah, like it does deal with some darker themes like that. But overall, and this is very much informed with Wes Anderson, um, like overall, it's a happy movie, you know, or at yep. least like, I don't know, maybe happy's not the right word. I don't know. You know what I mean. Like it's, I think charming is just the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I think this one is probably my second favorite Wes Anderson movie because uh, I don't think he's ever going to top Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Olivia. So I love that you guys brought up uh, watching it on like how it should be watched. <laughs> my very first experience watching this movie was in crammed in the back seat of my dad's truck as we are driving <laughs> to Colorado from Oklahoma for a family vacation and I have downloaded it from Netflix and I'm watching it on my iPhone 8 plus hell with yeah like, there you with go like headphones, there we go. Yeah. With, with like headphones the only way that that could have been any better is if the headphones were like kind of broken and you had to like hold them a certain way you know mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to make sure you actually hear it yep so that was my first experience and that was 2018 i think mm-hmm. and then i rewatched it today and i because i was at work and then i ended up going to my parents house um after work because my last session canceled. So I was like, well, I'm going to go do that. And then I ended up watching it on my computer today. <laughs> oh, stepping it up. Okay. So, so we're moving up. Maybe the third watch, it'll be on like, <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, like exactly. a computer monitor. And then on the fourth watch, it'll yeah. be like an actual TV. By the eighth watch, you're going to rent out a movie theater. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. load it up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my first experience watching it. Love it. Um, nice. You know the way the way cinema should be, should be wa- yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know Wes Anderson when he made this film, he was like, "I really hope that in like six years, some ginger from Oklahoma is going to be watching this on her her stupid iPhone." That's what I want. That's that's how this film should be viewed. So, well, I actually in an interview, David Lynch you know said that like you should never watch cinema on your phone unless it's an iphone 8 plus like specifically he, that he did make that concession um, right is, is okay okay yes. yeah so, yeah so, i don't think you have anything to worry about there okay so, yeah, i'm glad yeah i'm glad i'm not gonna disappoint david lynch or wes anderson <laughs> or or any other director really yeah. yeah so um 
but yeah, I I watched a lot of movies on that trip. I watched Jurassic Park and Donnie Darko. It was a mm. it was an array of, of wow. films I watched yeah, on that you trip. Hit, you hit the gamut there. Yeah, I really did. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I agree with what you guys have said. It is it's a charming film. Um the the way that I think Isaac was talking about it, it kinda reminded me of like a Shakespearean comedy. Like it starts off like kind of cute and charming and then it then it builds to this like really like sad and what's going to happen to them and things are kind of scary and then and then it resolves in the end which is which is nice i I do love the resolution um but yeah like it's it's just charming it's funny the kids are great the of course all the adult actors are great they've been doing this for all all of those actors have been doing this for a while and have worked with um Wes Anderson a lot and I think that he is able to bring out something in them that you don't see them do in some of their other films mm-hmm. so so yeah mm-hmm. it's it's great and I yeah I was blown away that Lucas Hedges was in it I was like wait a minute that's that's baby Lucas Hedges he <laughs> looks so so young yep yeah so. let's let's talk real quick so this movie was inspired by um Wes and Roman Coppola's experiences as kids um and if you if you think about it all of Wes Anderson's movies except for maybe Bottle Rocket deal heavily with parents Mm -hmm. and like dysfunctional parent relationships um to very great comedic effect but all of his movies are characterized by that in some form or fashion um you have a parent like role in uh the form of M. Gustave in Grand Budapest Hotel, um, Mr. Fox and Mrs. Fox and uh, Jason Schwartzman in, in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, and at the center of this movie, and they, I think, sometimes can kind of be forgotten because there's so many lovely, charming things in this movie, but Bill Murray and Frances McDormand's marriage is kind of mm-hmm. on the fritz in this movie, and it is kind of what moves Susie to run off with Sam because she's upset with with her mom um because she know she saw her mom being with um Bruce Willis's character um Captain Sharp and they were basically having an affair and how that you know stuff like that and how it impacts a kid and th- there are I'm I'm monologuing, but the point I'm getting to is later on, she says to Sam, I like stories about orphans. They always seem happier um, than than me with no family. She says something to that effect. And he says, I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. And that's one of the most like kind of sad moments I feel Mm -hmm. like in a movie. And I didn't register how sad it was the first time I, I watched this movie. Um, and he says it and then just kind of walks away because he's an orphan um, and he's been in the foster system. So I say all that to say, what are some of the Wes Anderson um, parents, uh, like some of the greatest parents that stick out to you in some of his other movies? Um, and what do you think about Francis McDormand's and uh, Bill Murray's performances in this movie? It's been so long since I've seen another Wes Anderson movie, so I, I don't know if I can answer the parents' question. Mm-hmm. 
but I do really enjoy all of the adult figures portrayed in in his movies because in a lot of his movies the I think almost all of them um, that I've seen his the adults are act like children and the children act like adults and I think that's kind of a staple because uh, a lot of Wes Anderson like you said a lot of his stories are based on his childhood or direct experiences so he I think portrays a lot of that in his adult characters that he writes so I think that's definitely one of his staples um, yeah and this and in, in, in this movie a lot of the the characters are so well written I specifically my favorite character is Edward Norton's character mm-hmm. um, because he's a uh, <laughs> yeah he has, he has a lot of really good lines he's a what an eighth grade math teacher um, who is a part-time counselor a camp counselor and um i just see myself a lot in a lot of that character so yeah that's cool i i've only seen two other sorry i hit my mic <laughs> my bad uh i've only ever seen two other wes anderson movies um rushmore and the french dispatch so i don't really and it's been a while since i've watched rushmore so i don't really remember what the parents were like i know that jason schwartzman's character was kind of like wanting to do his own thing and be really independent, which you can see that happening in, in these characters as well, um, or with the kids. But yeah, I, I think that as you were talking, Eric, about like parents being written as like the children and the, the kids being written as adults, I, I kind of like it when kids are written as adults, which isn't necessarily true. And like, that's not how kids actually are, but sometimes kids are more like the adult than the adults are. Um, and the adults often act and behave like children as, as a therapist. I see that a lot, um, working with kids, I see that. And it's, it's really disheartening and and upsetting to see that happen because it happens way more often than I would care for it. But it also kind of reminds me of like, um, kind of like sitcoms for kids on like Nickelodeon or Disney where like the adults mm-hmm. would be written as like idiots <laughs> yeah. and the kids would be like oh like like think about the Rugrats right like all these babies are able to get around and do whatever they want the, the adults have no idea but and so maybe that's one of the reasons why I like it because a lot of the shows I grew up watching kind of had that written into the storyline but um yeah I mean you also see Bill Murray and Francis McDormand who you know, Bill Murray is known to be more comedic and funny. And you see that, that moment where they're laying in bed and he's talking about like, I want this, the storm to kind of sweep me up. I, and I hope the, I hope the um, storm takes the roof off and sucks me up into yeah. space. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ugh, man, that's a cry for help if I've ever heard one. And Francis McDormand is like, well, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> also is talking about like, what about the kids? They're all that we have. And he goes, and that's not enough. And that was just, that was heartbreaking. Cause I, I mean, I'm not a parent and I can't imagine that feeling of like, I am not enough as a parent for, for my kids. Mm-hmm. And this relationship is like, they know their relationship has an effect on their kids and mm-hmm. It's all unsaid, but it's it's clear that they know. So I just I don't know. I thought that moment was especially like powerful. So those are those are my thoughts on that. Walter, do you have thoughts? Nope. 
Nope. <laughs> Isaac, what are your thoughts? Uh, swinging to the Royal Tenenbaums real quick. Um, I kind of go back and forth between whether I think Royal Tenenbaums or Grand Budapest Hotel is his best movie. And the <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums has an incredible cast. And <laughs> probably the best line in the movie is when Gene Hackman tells his grandson, Ben Stiller plays his son, Chassie Tenenbaum. <laughs> Gene Hackman tells his grandson, um, whose mom had died just like a couple weeks before, I'm terribly, I'm sorry for your loss. Your mother was a terribly attractive woman. <laughs> 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 like absolutely terrible he's a scumbag but he's also just like an incredible character in that movie and so i think he might be the most iconic wes anderson dad um next to mr fox in fantastic mr fox but um anyway i was answering my own question because i really love that quote <laughs> it's really funny um but yeah there's i think that another thing i think about with in terms of like the parents of um, Moonrise Kingdom is after Susie comes home and the first time and Bill Murray comes downstairs and the three boys are kind of sitting in the in the floor or on the floor doing something and he goes into the closet comes out with an axe and he's shirtless with his pot belly and he's holding a bottle of wine and he says if you need me I'll be outside I'm going to chop a tree down and they just look at him they're like okay and he like goes outside and gets like halfway through cutting a tree down um it's an underrated bill murray moment in yes. in cinema so yes yeah. absolutely yeah i agree he's that's just i i feel like that was just bill murray be, being bill murray yep exactly um funny uh bill murray bit on the commentary track um I think at the time of the recording, Bill Murray had been in all of his Wes Anderson's movies besides Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wes Anderson ha- apparently has sent Bill hundreds of recording or tapes of Bottle Rocket to try to get him to watch it. And for some reason, Bill Murray has just refused to watch Bottle Rocket. <laughs> and I just found that very amusing of Bill Murray. The only that movie that he's not in in Wes Anderson is the one that he refuses yep. to watch. <laughs> It kind of, it's, can you imagine being Wes Anderson? I always think that Wes Anderson's like super young, but he was born in 1969. So he's like just a little bit younger than like my dad. Um, mm-hmm. So he's a lot older than you would expect as I think he looks pretty young. Um, he looks like a character straight out of his own movie. He really does. He really <laughs> yeah. does. Have you guys, yeah. have you guys seen the meme where it's like, if you put Wes Anderson in between two, any two actors from any of his movies, he looks like a perfect like combination <laughs> of those actors That's every time true. i see it i'm like that is a hundred percent accurate especially with tilda swinton yep yeah oh, I can't, the uh, the yeah. picture of them at i think it was con with at con film festival with chalamet bill murray and tilda swinton in four very different outfits all standing yes. yep. <laughs> yeah. very iconic uh, i was looking up that image but yeah he He's um the I was just gonna say like can you imagine having someone like Bill like him and Bill Murray have to be super tight and mm-hmm. him to view Bill Murray as like his pseudo dad especially if he grew up watching movies like Ghost <laughs> Ghostbusters <laughs> like and then he gets a he 
be able to have him in all his movies. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, so the, something I noted at the beginning of this movie is like, um, Eric, you rank this as one of your number, your number two camping movie behind <laughs> wild hogs. Naturally. Uh, of course. Naturally. Yes. Uh, understandable. Um, we all knew that was going to be the case. But this Eric talks about wild hogs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but this movie is also set in the summer. Um, it was released in the summer. This was, I, I saw it, um, in the summertime of 2012 and top, top like five summer movie just from the after after the narrator kind of sets the scene of like the island of new penzance and you you get geographically acquainted with the island which i think so few movies do i'm very like conscious of this because um it's it's what i do for a living i'm looking at maps all day and you get an idea of like what this what this geography is like on this island you get to see maps a couple times um but then afterwards there's there's this incredible classical music that Lionel and the other two boys are listening to when you get introduced to Susie. There's a summer rain and it's so peaceful. You feel so like I would love to be there on that summer day and I love how he communicates that where you feel kind of safe and happy at the moment um, but then things quickly come to light of like what is wrong in like these characters' lives and the conflict and the story gets set into motion. So that's something that I really loved about it. It's really beautiful, symmetrical and structured. And then, um, and then everything gets serious, but it's always like absurd. So that's something I really love about this movie. Yeah. Well, that, go ahead, Eric. My bad. No, 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 go ahead. Olivia. You got it. I was just going to say like, that's, that's just very Wes Anderson to have one all of his colors are pretty or like all of his movies have like bright colors typically i think i mean rushmore didn't seem to have quite as many bright colors as as what the rest of them have had but it's always like like it it we've talked a lot about you know marvel movies and how they're all very like kind of washed out these are not washed out movies mm-hmm. um now this movie had more of a, kind of like like a yellow hue a yellow tint to it but i think that was just to communicate like it's the summer Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I love the way that he like shoots all of his scenes, right? Like it's all, like you said, Isaac, it's very symmetrical, everything. I love the way he like moves the camera. It's just, I, I, I just love him as a director for the way he, he shoots his films. And, and I remember a lot of people were kind of bashing the French dispatch when it came out because it wasn't quite what I think people were expecting, but even still it's something different. It was something different than what we were getting with everything else. And and it was shot in a way that is very true to Wes Anderson and still just original. And again, even though like part of the movie is in black and white, it was still very like colorful. Mm -hmm. So Mm. that's what I was just going to go on, go on that little rant. Yeah. So, I mean, just on the note of just, filmmaking uh, like i i think that even if people either if they have never seen a wes anderson movie or um uh or they don't um like wes anderson or whatever mm-hmm. he's still like his style is so recognizable probably one of the most recognizable of like any director yeah. um like i think there's a whole uh like there are 
Facebook groups and other like I think there's an Instagram account and and stuff that that are just titled accidentally Wes Anderson. They <laughs> just like reshare like <laughs> like pictures or videos of people who like and then I'm like, "Hey, th- hey, this looks like this could be in a Wes Anderson thing." Like it's so recognizable um, mm-hmm. for the, all the reasons that you said, like the color, the the symmetry, stuff like that. Um so like, yeah, even if you don't like it or if you have never seen a Wes Anderson movie, you know what his style is, you mm-hmm. know, like and I think that's so um like I got work as I, I work as a video producer at a marketing firm and we had a client come to us to make a video for them and my boss the the video director was like, he was telling us like what style we want to go for, for this particular one. He was like, he's like, I'm thinking kind of Wes Anderson style. And we all immediately knew even the client. We're like, yep, we know what that is. Like, it's just like, it's so like, and whether or not, again, whether or not you like it, um, super recognizable. And I think that, Mm -hmm. that speaks to just the, the influence he's had, um, upon filmmaking for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's it's extremely unique. Did you did y'all know that he was going to be an architect? No, I did not. Like know he, that. he, I would he love was, to see some buildings he designed film though. and architecture, and he wow. decided to go with film. And it's like, oh, yep, man. that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> it's perfect sense. So, um, we have well, to talk about. Go ahead. I was gonna say, do we want to let let Eric talk about whatever he was gonna talk about oh, before yeah, I interrupted yeah, him? Yes, yeah. Sorry. Um, back to kind of the. Uh, filmmaking of Wes Anderson I think um I don't know I haven't seen his his last two movies so I don't know if he's uh this at filmmaking aspect of him has changed but this was shot with a uh 16 millimeter film camera because um a lot of the scenes that you see in the movie they're in very tight corridors mm-hmm. um everyone is packed together into one frame mm-hmm. so they had to use a 16 millimeter camera because it's a lot smaller than the 35 millimeter one. Um, and it was, I think this was back in 2012 where digital wasn't as big of a thing, um, in filming as it is today. So that's why, um, a lot of the picture looks very grainy, but it adds to the, just the, the look and feel of the, Mm -hmm. of the movie. Um, so I found that little tidbit very cool. And, um, the other tidbit that I got from the commentary track in the filmmaking is, um, Edward Norton was saying that this was a really unique filmmaking experience for him because it felt like it was shooting like a, a indie movie because um, they didn't have any trailers. They didn't really have like a, a makeup crew or anything. They all like slept in tents um, on set to kind of like get them into the feel of living in on this island um, mm-hmm. in a camp. And they all did their own hair and makeup, which just led it led to That's like really the cool. authenticity of, of yeah. the film. So. Yeah, yeah, I read. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we are so we're, we're bad doing, about we're that. We're doing so good. We're yeah. doing so good. I was going to say, I read where uh, Kara Hayward, who plays Susie, did her own makeup for this. So it's, yeah, so that makes sense that, that they all also did that. The, um, yeah, and it's it's cool. That's the cool thing about him is like, you know that, so Eric, you said you haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotel. I have seen. I think that was the latest one that okay. I've seen of his. Yep. Gotcha. Because in Grand Budapest Hotel, like that whole movie is production design, set design, and um, makeup. Like Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. is unrecognizable in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everyone just has incredible costumes. And I love that extreme of just like, hey, Moonrise Kingdom, we're going camping. Like we got Bruce Willis and Francis McDormand. Ed Norton, you're sleeping in a tent. Like you are. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, I forget what his uh, his scoutmaster name is. Shaw. Um, I think it was Shaw. But yeah, uh, Shaw. Uh, scoutmaster Ward. Ward. Yep. I don't know where that um, Shaw from. 
And I love, I especially love Moonrise Kingdom because that's when I was like, we have to talk about, and then we uh, went back to um, the point that that Eric made about how authentic this movie feels is like this movie is awesome in part because um, he knows how to cast really, really well. And watching this again made me really sad that he hasn't had Bruce Willis in another movie. Not that he has, that we know that, or it's been confirmed that he has had a part for Bruce Willis, but Bruce Willis, like this is, this is like one of my favorite performances from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really, really good in this movie and kind of like the unexpected, uh, beating heart, heart of this yeah. movie as the one who ends up taking in Sam at the end. Um, yeah, on the Bruce Willis thing, um, I, I saw the Razzies, which have no, um, any kind of rep, uh, <laughs> reputability, is that the word? Yeah. Um, they had named an, uh, award after Bruce Willis because he had done like eight straight to DVD movies. Um, yeah. there were, I had read and I don't, uh, this was just like rumors, but uh, he had, I think he was battling, um, uh, like early stage dementia. And that's why, um, he does a lot of those types of movies now is because he has trouble remembering lines and he spends a lot of his time now, apparent reportedly, um, I think with Demi Moore and his children, which is why he doesn't do uh, a lot of these other movies that are harder to film. Uh, which is why he kind of does these these kind of B-rate movies, and I just I, I just hate everyone that. just bashing Bruce Willis on social media because you never know what's going on in someone's personal life, right? Especially well, someone as legendary as Bruce Willis, who has given mm-hmm. so much to the film industry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's like when Chadwick Boseman, like he lost a bunch of weight, and people were like, "Oh, what's wrong with him? Look at how skinny he is. He yeah. needs to eat." And it's like, "Oh, he died of cancer mm-hmm. that no one publicly knew about." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, maybe we should stop criticizing people for right. certain things. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, like during the, when the pandemic first started and we were all like quarantined and everyone was actually taking coronavirus seriously, they, um, they did post pictures, uh, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore post pictures together with their family and their kids. That's Cause awesome, they've got yeah. like, they have a lot of children together. Yeah. I was gonna say they've got like two or three kids together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. I think I think I had read that um, he's yeah a lot of his time now is is spent with his family because just everything going on medically with him. Yeah, um, and Bruce Willis yeah. is just he's just given so he's done so much um, for the film industry. So he's yeah. definitely earned the right to do those B rate movies and mm-hmm. um, yeah. what he wants. But yeah, I, I would lo- love to see Bruce Willis in, in these roles more often. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. It makes sense that you know that would that would he would be taking those roles if, uh, because it gets to a point where you're like, you know what, you know, what matters more than my like cinematic reputation is like, I got one life and I'm going to spend it with, um, my family and mm-hmm. I don't need more money or what have you. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, Bruce Willis is awesome in this movie. Um, I'm kind of looking through, looking at my notes. Um, let's get, a, a five minute, or a little bit of a discussion about the very troubled child. And Olivia, I want you to kind of take this as your perspective as a therapist. Um, Susie finds the book on top of, um, on top of their refrigerator Mm -hmm. and kind of like how it would, how it might feel as a 11 or 12 year old 
finding <laughs> finding that book and realizing that your parents view you um view you like that like a problem yeah yeah i mean i i also read i when i say i read something it's i read it from the trivia section of imdb and i read with where that happened to Wes Anderson, something similar to that happened to him. Really? And he realizes, like he said, as an adult, he realizes that could have been about like anyone or any, like any other person. It didn't necessarily have to be about him. But you know, when you see that as a kid, it's you're so egocentric. It's like, is this about me? Um, and, and you know, if you're how, I mean, how old are they? 12, 11, 12. Yeah. Uh, you have some some sense of like how other people perceive you. You're try you're starting to figure out how how you kind of operate with, within relationships with other people. And so, if you find that, then it's like, oh crap, I'm I'm a problem. And and if if you find that and your parents are having issues, well, like so many kids, you're gonna think, well, if I wasn't so troubled, then then maybe my parents would stop fighting, and maybe my mom wouldn't be sneaking off to do what have you with with the cop and and that happens so often I mean I don't know how many times I I sit across from a client who's like even if like a fully grown adult will be like yeah I thought that you know my parents got divorced because I was sad all the time or because I was anxious or whatever so it it really does tear at like tear down those any sort of self-esteem that the kid may have and if the kid is already feeling insecure man it's gonna make that that so much worse and so of course Susie's like well if I just leave if I remove myself from the situation then then the situation gets better Mm -hmm. I, Um, I think there's this sort of dynamic too and I felt this in terms of being like a very introverted child of like removing myself from from situations or like do, doing things by myself like reading or like playing in my room by myself when I was younger um felt peaceful but it wasn't actually peaceful it just wasn't with people and mm-hmm. so I kind of you relate to or I relate to both of them wanting to be understood and be kind of like with another person and not be lonely, but mm-hmm. also like be far away from like the things that were bothering them. Sure. So, yeah. 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 And if you see your parents fighting a lot, then of course you're going to want to get away from that. Like that's like, I, I have a hard time when parents are like, they've just fight so easily in front of their, their kids. And it's just, it, it makes it so much harder. Cause then it's like, Oh, well this is, this is how relationships are. My parents hate each other and that's like very evident to me. And then it just sets them up for, for bad relationships in the future. Yep. So a couple things, both the, uh, Francis McDormand and Bill Murray's characters are attorneys and they <laughs> use yeah. like very attorney esque, uh, language throughout the movie. And I thought it was most funny whenever Bill Murray is like staring at her and they're on the boat going home and she goes, he goes, be advised, you will never see him again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it sounds like uh, an attorney. So, um, yeah, 
there's there's that. I'm kind of looking through last couple of things. Also, electroshock therapy. Oh my Nin- gosh! You kind of remember. Oh, this is 1965. <laughs> like, oh my and gosh! And they do the humorous cut to the uh, juvenile refuge um, paper newspaper front, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh shoot! And it's one of those movies. It's one of those things where you're like, this movie's dark. Like the the dog accidentally gets killed in the brawl with the scouts. Um, there's like there's outcasts. You're like a sense of being an outcast, and at one point, Sam tells redford lucas hedges character like you have no reason to not like me and he's like mm-hmm. why not and it's kind of like kids are just cruel and mm-hmm. kids are also like just like adults in that sense where they they're cruel but they also like know exactly what adults are thinking at like mm-hmm. after they reach a certain point of maturity so um yeah schwartzman's good too like he kind of comes in at the last second and like mm. energizes the, this movie. Yeah. I loved it when he made all of them spit their gum out. That was <laughs> so funny. Spit out that gum, gum, sister. Spit out that, spit out that gum, sister. So funny. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on Moonrise Kingdom? I was gonna like this takes place in Rhode Island, right? Like it's the Northeast, but I mm-hmm. still feel like it. it applies to flyover country because absolutely because i mean boy scouts are a really popular thing in this part of the country and and camping right like all that is is super popular also it's just it's relatable because when you are like 12 and you have that like first real crush you're just like infatuated anything is possible yeah Yeah. of course you're like uh, of course you're like, I want to marry this person, even though you have no idea what that actually means, but yeah, anything feels possible. And that's kind of how this, you see with Sam and Susie, like they just, anything's possible because they have each other and that's, that's really all they've ever had. Yep. Mm, well said. So well said. that Absolutely. was, that, that was my final, final word on it. And then sometimes you get struck by lightning holding a huge $75 worth of nickels. So <laughs> I had, I did, I did not remember that scene coming up and it. It gave me a kind of a, a small jump. I was like, Oh, crap. it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I died laughing in the theater when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got that electroshock therapy, you know, he did. Maybe that was actually, yeah, what they were saying, yeah. but guys, thanks for logging on talking about moonrise kingdom. Um, our next episode is going to be the Batman. It's coming out on March 6th. Get ready for that. Very excited. Um, Walter, Olivia, Eric, final thoughts? No. I greatly enjoyed uh, revisiting this movie. Thanks for recommending yeah. it, Isaac. I enjoyed yeah. it, talking yeah. with it, about it with the three of y'all. It's streaming on HBO Max. Yes. Oh, yes. I don't think we ever said that. It's as of the time of this release, it is on HBO Max. So if you don't own it or don't have access to it, that's a good place to to watch it. Please watch it. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. Only like and, nine and minutes long. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's say it's not super half. long, yep. and awesome. you can. I think it. If you if you haven't seen any other Wes Anderson movies, it should hopefully inspire you to watch more of them. I. I haven't watched all of them, but I will say that out of the ones that I've seen, Fantastic Mr. Fox is still my personal favorite. Yep. Uh, so, but they're all they're all are all charming. Bill Murray's in like all of them. So if you like Bill Murray, like you, you'll <laughs> like a Wes Anderson movie. So 
Yeah. Real quick plug: the uh, you can Google on YouTube "Fantastic Mr. Fox" George Clooney behind the scenes and him in Wes Anderson. And um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who plays Kylie in um, "Fantastic Mr. Fox." But you you get behind the scenes like where they're riding the motorcycle. They're at George Clooney's ranch and they're on a four wheeler and they're acting like they're riding it, reading their lines. And it is so funny. <laughs> like the scene where they're coming back from the farm and he's like, we got to we got to get some paper mache and act like we just stole this from or pick this up at the butcher shop. Woo-hoo! And he's like <laughs> running around in circles, reading his lines and they're following him with a boom mic. It's like the greatest thing. And then him eating the uh, French toast at breakfast, like, like, (laughs) (laughs) you get to see George Clooney doing that. And it is in, it is like pure magic. It is pure magic. Mm -hmm. So go YouTube that. Go watch. We're past um, it, but Kylie was played by Wallace Wolodarski. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to do my producer job over here. Thank you. Um, and thank you, Walter, for producing this episode. Walter Lyle, oh, yeah. our producer, produced this episode. Um, our music is by uh, Corden Jocks. Our artwork is by Macy Lummis. Go check them out on social media. We will see you in a couple weeks for the Batman. And peace out, Girl Scouts. Let's, let's, let's do a goodbye. Let's do, good, do a goodbye on three. Here we go. One, two, three. Goodbye. 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 Wow, y'all suck at that. That was All right. awful. I didn't know if you were <laughs> we'll saying bye, goodbye. I do. But now we get to time. fade out, and you can just yeah. fade out whatever we're saying. <laughs> fade out. Eric, the Eric's like, I'm just going to shut up. Yeah. Eric knows what to say. Tilda Swinton.